0: This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. cut off by Mata, throws it out front, the scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Viala's in for Minnesota. Viala cuts to the middle, waits,
1: score. Greenway in, saved by Miska. Rebound, Eric Zinek, they score! Jordan Greenway beats Misca. Edwards, hooked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it, he scores!
0: Kirill the Thrill. Now, great. here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boya. And Justin Buck Hello, and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. It is Thursday. April Fools um, might have gotten a couple of you with our post earlier today. Shame on you if you fell for that. you got to know better by now. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, happy to be recording a podcast tonight. Um, other things I'm not so happy about, um, but more on that in a bit. We'll check in here with uh, Zeke and Justin. Uh, Zeke, go to you first, my friend. How are you doing uh, on this Thursday night here? About, uh, two and a half, or about an hour and a half for uh, puck drop for a while in Vegas.
2: Yeah, overall I'm uh, doing pretty good. Uh, I mean, obviously we'll we'll get into some uh, not so great things here in a few minutes, but uh no, it's doing good. Uh, sitting here talking about the wild with you guys and uh, the game coming up uh, right after this should be really interesting too. So yeah, no, I'm doing good.
0: And Justin, what about you?
1: Doing pretty good with uh, some of the good news we've received recently. um Shame on me, I did fall for it. I was at work and I saw the post and I was like, oh, what the hell? What uh, this is news to me. And then I was like, Oh wait, it's April. It's April 1st. So I fell for it. So shame on me. I fell for our own joke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's always funny. All right. Well, lots to get to today and we're going to try to keep it under an hour because we don't want to miss uh, any of the wild games. So we're going to jump right into things. Uh, we're bumping the analytics segment back to the kind of the middle part of the show. Cause we're going to go a little more in depth uh, on regression for that. So, uh, Skipping that, but we'll still have uh, this week in Wild History. And then, as always, we'll start with the prospect update uh, from Justin. Uh, so we'll go to you first uh, with the prospect news.
1: All right, there's not a whole lot. A lot of seasons are coming to an end. But uh, Andres Fetlikov and Cheska have made it to the conference finals and will face SKA. That is, who is Nadinov's team. He's injured, so he won't be playing. But uh, it would have been fun to see a couple of our prospects face each other. But nonetheless, Fetlikov will still be in it. Uh, on Russo on KFAN the other day um, this is some pretty good news it sounds like Rossi is doing well and who's Nadinev sounds like he's doing better Um, this is I mean really good news because obviously they're two of our top prospects right now and Mm -hmm. and you want to see those guys get healthy uh, the Frozen Four is set, and we have three prospects left in the tournament. Swaney from UMD, Henches from St. Cloud State, and Lindbergh from UMass, so we'll kind of dig into that later. Uh, Damon Hunt scored a power play goal today. Uh, the game ended right before we recorded this podcast, but uh, it was his fifth goal of the year. Three of his five goals are power play goals, so he's power play machine this year for uh, Moose Jaw. And then uh, the best news we received this week, Wild fans have been waiting on him. We weren't sure if it was going to happen this year or not, but Matthew signed his three-year entry-level contract with the Wild. He'll begin his pro career in Iowa. Uh, He's supposed to be flying into Minnesota today, quarantining, and after two negative tests, he'll get sent to Iowa via car service. So welcome to Minnesota, Boldy.
0: Yeah, pretty uh, excited to have Matt Boldy under contract. I know one thing I wasn't positive of and even probably would have betted, it, betted on it was that um, I didn't think Boldy in the wild would burn that first year. Just uh, I think as we talked about on this show, um, I think even might have been elastic with Hoppy in just the sense that you know I didn't really see a logical fit for him the way the roster is constructed barring injury or trade. But um, as we've seen uh, today... Um, Nico Sturm's a healthy scratch For whatever reason, more on that in a bit um, Marcus Fleno style with an injury um, Zach Parise has been out on the COVID list um, So, you know, maybe there is a spot You know, on, on the wing for Boldy You know, whether that's for a Johansson, a Rask A Bukestad, a Sturm, a Taxi Squad guy you know, an, an injury down the road or, or, or what have you um, But he'll start in Iowa But um, I think my expectation would be that You know, Bill Guerin can use all the GM speak that he wants um, about, you know, having to earn his way up here. But I have a hard time believing that, you know, Boldy isn't better than some of the other options they've been rolling out. So I fully expect him to, uh, to play at least an NHL game. For sure one, if you know, probably more. But uh, that's where I stand. I don't know if you guys feel any differently, but mm-hmm. I don't think that they burn a year unless they intended to, uh, to have him play at the big club.
2: Yeah, I, I think I agree too. And I think, I mean, obviously, the Russo pointed this out on his uh, radio hit today on KFan that, and obviously, it's been in all his other articles that uh, part of the maybe the reason he's not even up here now is obviously their cap space. They have hardly like even a dime to like have another guy called up. So, uh, you know, and he was saying that, you know, he'll probably be down there for. You know, three, two, three, four weeks, maybe. I mean, who knows if there's injuries, and then uh, they'll accrue that cap space. Were they able to come up, get him up here, or you know, with in the playoffs, with you know, if you, you can be over the cap and all that? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'm with Brett though. I'd say he's at least going to play in a game this year for sure.
1: Yeah, so, I, I don't see him burning a year and not bringing him up to the NHL at some point. You know, there's not much Mark can add. I was going to bring up the whole playoff roster cap situation, but. You know, Zeke touched on that, so you know, you see him start in Iowa, and I think, you know, you don't want to see players get hurt, but if you see more players get hurt or end up on a COVID list, I think we see him, and then possibly for sure in the playoffs with more caps or when the cap space isn't as prevalent.
0: Yeah, and we've gotten a chance now to watch Matt Boley at the World Juniors. I know Justin, you've caught you know a handful of his games and shifts and highlights from from Boston College. I had a chance to watch uh, BC in the NCAA tournament. Um, I just kind of want to get a quick just thought on just kind of what you think that Matt Boldy uh, can bring to the wild. And, and for me, it's it's going to be energy on the forecheck. He's an incredible player down low. I think his skating is very similar to that of Kaprizov's in that he plays a lot on his edges with protecting the puck. Um, and I think where he could be a, a really valuable asset to the wild if it gets to that point is, is um, you know, the wild seemed seem kind of lost for a guy to take draws on the power play and kind of be that net front presence. Um and he absolutely excelled at that uh, with Team USA in the World Juniors and I think that's a spot he could really help the Wilds if they can figure out a way to get him in on that power play whether it's that first or that second unit um, to be out front and to work down low and maybe you know find a guy like Kaprizov or, or Fiala for with some sweet passes and some screens out front.
1: Yeah, I mean I certainly agree with that. You see strong board play. It seems like he goes into the boards and he comes out with the puck almost every single time. So you know, kind of. Something that we may be lacking from a lot of players, and you know, we've seen a lot of passengers lately. So, um, anyways, back to Boldy. He, yeah, like you said, he could end up on the power play. On you know, we saw him in the World Juniors, even at Boston College. He he always seems to find players from you know, like below the net or on the half wall, and he just he's maybe something we're lacking on the power play that could find a Fiala or Kaprizov. I mean, he's not. Not, um, mm-hmm. one of those guys that's going to be the fastest skaters, but from last year, his skating has improved. And I feel like we're just touching the top tip of the iceberg with Boldy. I mean, you know, he's going to continue to fill out that frame and get better.
0: Definitely. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll chug right along here. Uh, excited to see, uh, you know, what Matt Boldy can do, at least in Iowa. Hopefully he tears it up down there and that, uh, we'll see him up here at the wild uh, sooner than later because, uh, God knows we could use something to be happy about right now. Uh, Zeke, we'll go to you next here with uh, this week in wild history. If you got something for us,
2: yeah. So uh, this week's uh, this week in wild history segment after a couple weeks off. Uh, this trade took place on April third of twenty thirteen. Uh, I believe we haven't talked about this one in depth yet on this summit, but uh, it was, uh, so later this week on uh, 2013, you know, obviously the big trade was the wild traded for Jason Palm and bill from the Buffalo Sabres. And they also got a 2014 fourth round pick for that. And then obviously uh, they sent back to Buffalo, their 2013, first uh, 2014 second. And also at the time uh, two uh, other top prospects in uh, Johan Larson, who currently plays for the Arizona coyotes, and then uh, goaltender Matt Hackett, who had gotten kind of a cup of coffee in the NHL at the time. And just, you know, just to kind of get through this quickly, I'll just kind of describe what some of these turned out to be. Obviously, uh, Jason Pommadil is one of the few guys in Wild history to actually score 30 goals in a season. Uh, you know, he did kind of slow down a little bit at the end of his career and what was not much of a goal scorer his the last couple of years. But he was a solid top six contributor throughout, and then uh, also as uh, turning back the other way from what Buffalo got from the wild that uh 2013 first round pick uh, was ended up being 16th overall after the wild lost in the first round of the playoffs that year and they selected a uh, defenseman Nikita Zadorov out of Russia who played in the OHL who uh you know he might a lot of wild fans might be familiar with because he played with the Colorado Avalanche for a long time he's a big defenseman you know he's nothing spectacular but he's a he's a solid like kind of five six defenseman you know good NHL player and then the second round pick was 49th overall in 2014 uh Uh, a guy of the name of Vaklav Karabicek, who was not a great junior scorer in the QMJHL and never really did anything, even in the minors and the pros. So, and then obviously Larson, an okay. He's an NHL player. He's been a decent fourth liner for years, but nothing too special. And then Matt Hackett uh, as a goalie kind of flamed out. So, you know, obviously this was... As I said, it was kind of like the first big, I guess, trade after that they made uh, in the pre easy era to kind of try to supplement that core and get another key piece. And uh, I think, you know, overall, looking back on it, uh, you know, I it's I mean, it's not completely obvious. And obviously, the Wild traded Pommedale back to the Sabres a couple of years ago, but I think it's, uh, in my opinion, I think the Wild made up pretty good on this trade considering uh, none of the pieces, the young pieces that they gave up ever really turned into much more than just kind of role players for, for the most part.
0: Yeah, to me it's typical Buffalo, you know, death taxes and bad trades and terrible dragons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Buffalo Sabres. So. Uh, yeah, perfect. and overall it turned into a really a really good trade and you know, I always think back, I believe it was the that twenty wanna say it's twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen Wild mm-hmm. there was that run that uh, the, their third line of Eric Holland, it do need rider and Jason Pomville had like to yep. finish off the season where they were just this arguably probably the best they were the wilds third line but they were playing at a first line right it seems like they were scoring every night the other teams just couldn't slow them down and Mm-mm. you know palmville you know got some grief as a guy you know who just it seems like you know he had those 30 goal seasons but there were times where it's like oh he was wide open and he just completely whipped <laughs> on it or you know fell over or what have you but uh yeah i think that it, you know all, all things considered as you mentioned you know they gave a bunch of things that turned into depth pieces i think all things considered uh Worked out pretty well for the Wild. And then, uh, of course, as you mentioned, he went back there. And he's the reason we now have uh, Marcus Foligno, too. So it didn't work out well for the Wild in the end.
1: Very good. It did. It definitely came around well for us in all aspects of it.
0: For sure. All right. Well, as promised uh, via Twitter last night, we uh, we said (laughs) we were going to rant. And uh, we're going to rant. You know, we're, we're a podcast that tries to keep things positive. But there are times when... You know, you just got to be mad, and uh, we've got plenty of reason to be mad. Let's, uh, let's start with the most recent thing that uh, has sent me into a spiraling frenzy, and that is that Dean Everson has healthy scratch my German prince, Nico Sturm. <laughs> uh, and uh, Sarah McClellan recently tweeted out uh, the reasoning here um, being, quote, a different look as he's healthy scratch Nico Sturm for Kyle Rau for a, a different look. Sir, s- sir, you are playing Luke Johnson Victor rask (laughs) and you want a different look, and you're like, huh? Nico Sturm, kind of, yeah. Let's get rid of him. Hmm. Fuck off, Dean evison Yeah, it's almost it's
1: almost like going from sandals and socks to corduroy pants. Yeah, Yeah.
2: it's it just like I mean, obviously we we all love him. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, Nico Sturm. He's not this fantastic player, but I mean, you know, even I saw it last night. He's surprisingly fast uh, for what we kind of thought of him. And, uh, you know, he's not a big time scorer, but he's an incredibly hard worker, uh, and just moves really well there. And, uh, you know, I would, from what I've seen, obviously Victor ask is like the opposite of those things. And, uh, while Luke Johnson has been, I guess, okay at times, he's like, in, yeah, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's obviously the most important thing. I mean, you know, we got to give up all our picks for a guy who wins 60% of his face offs, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's, it's com- It just makes completely no sense. It's I don't know. Yeah, it just makes no sense.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's been way too many passengers, and I feel like there's other players that have played, you know, less than maybe what Nico Sturm has. Maybe he hasn't had the best games recently either, but Mm -hmm. he works hard, and, and some of these other guys are just, I don't know. They're just passengers, and they're just, like, I keep bringing up Ras because he's the only one that comes to mind. There's other players too, but he just like mishandles passes and trips over his shadow. And (laughs) I know he's making $4 million, but at some point, I mean, you got to make changes no matter what the guys Mm. make.
2: And. I just the other thing about Sturm that makes no sense is they also seem to want to pigeonhole him into this into the fourth line role like you know I get he's probably not much more than that but they also just seem you know obviously they'll go even as far as to take him out of the lineup but the other frustrating thing with them thing with Sturm is that they seem to not want to he's the one guy that they will not give a chance ever higher up in the lineup too which is another thing that makes no sense yeah,
0: yeah and and you can probably point to his point total and goal total and be like, all right, well, he hasn't done much offensively. Well, you tried doing something <laughs> offensive alongside Nick Bonino. I, I challenge you. <laughs> and this is no slight against Nick Bonino. Nick Bonino just doesn't produce offense. And they pretty mm-hmm. much roll together at the same on ice, even strike ice, ice time per game. Like, I, and I'm not saying that Nico Sturm is anything more than a fourth liner. I love Nico Sturm. If, if that's news to you, uh, welcome to the party of the, 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 the Sturm warning fan club. But... You don't know until you try. We thought Rast was a 13th forward, and you put him between two skill guys, and he was fine for a stretch. Like mm. I think Nico Sturm has a little more skill than what Rast does. And the only thing that's been odd to me, too, is Nico Sturm has been a center his whole life, played center in Iowa, and he's gotten to Minnesota. And I don't even think, outside of maybe like a couple faceoffs, he's even got a look there, which to me doesn't make sense. But no, we're going to try Ryan Hartman and whoever else we can put at center. But it, it just... Dean Evison has done a lot of great things this year, and I commend him, but there are also things that just make you scratch your head and go, What the hell? And nah. this is just another. The, the deployment and usage of Nico Sturm is one of those things to me because, as you all know, I track a lot of the analytics, and, you know, outside of his point production, for the most part, a lot of his numbers look, you know, above average. And there was a there was a stretch of time there where they were like, you know, outside of his points, his play driving was like approaching like Jewel Erickson Eck territory with a lot of his. His underlying mm-hmm. things. And that's fallen off a little bit as of late, but I, you know, that's happened for the whole team. So I don't think it's been him, but you know, my guess is it's, it's, you know, he's a young guy. We want him to watch and learn kind of deal, but it just I don't know. It doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah. Right. And well, I mean, I guess if we want to get into another frustration with the Lions and then the other young center on the team and then Eric Sinek, who, you know i know like brett you, you i think you've showed some posts some of the stats last night. he hasn't been uh, as great the last couple games but as you also said uh try playing with nick bonino uh, on your line who they for some reason he sh- he should be he's the guy who should be the fourth line center because you know he's not a great skater uh, as brett said he doesn't produce offense at this point in his career and you know that's fine he can win face offs be in the fourth line but you know, I think a a, a good tweet from uh, Tony Abbott, our friend. Uh, you know, he tweeted last night after the game that uh, Eric Sinek played three seventeen in the third period and thirteen oh seven total for the night. Now, I know, uh, like we just said, just, he just been a button great here, quick
0: of Zeke. Um, Ryan oh, no, Hartman no, so played nineteen seventeen last night too. So, sheesh. Yeah, that. <clears throat> continue. That's
2: on. no, but yeah, no, that that is another thing that makes completely no sense, but. I just don't get why your top line center is not uh, on your top line or even in your top six really, because yeah, like we said, he hasn't had a great couple of games, but uh, you know, even in his short couple of times, if we can remember right, I think uh, he was good, looked good between Capri Sab and Johansson. Those guys are near and it's just, he seems like another guy like Sturm that they've just pigeonholed into the third line role that, Oh, he's got to be on that third line. And we got to try to have that shutdown line. And, uh, it just doesn't make much sense when a guy is like Victor ask and Ryan Hartman, who Ryan Hartman especially is a decent forward, but like he, his job, he's not an, he shouldn't, he's not a skilled guy. Like it's just, I just don't get why they also refused. Like we, we've gone over it a million times, but the refusal to move Eck up and play him in a higher position is another just mind boggling
1: thing. Yeah.
0: And right. look And look, he- if, if go ahead, Justin,
1: oh, I was going to say, uh, we know what this team is and, and, and you know, it's, you want to spread out your best players, especially with what we have. But at some point when you're losing a game, I think you'd want to put your best players with your best players and try and, and make a comeback or tie the game, score the game, win a goal, whatever. But, I mean, I'm kind of going down a, maybe a little of a rabbit hole, but even like the shootout decision, the, the, the decision yes. to not roll with like Dumba, and, and roll with Hartman instead or something like that. It's just been and kind of frustrating to me. It, it, I don't know. I, I just feel like we've, I mean, obviously we haven't played well, but I feel like things like that could have helped us at least pick up an extra point or something.
0: Yeah, and and, and here, here's the thing. I I don't have a problem if when the Wild are healthy, if they want to keep the Felino Erickson at Greenway line. We can say we want about mm-hmm. how should being in the top six. The reality is when that line is together, they're fantastic. They can play with any team in the league. And against a Colorado mm. or a Vegas, you probably need that line together to shut down you know, the McKinnons and the Stones of the world. I don't have yeah. an issue when they're healthy. The problem is right now is they're not healthy. And they're trying to, sp- you know, quote, spread the wealth. Um, <laughs> and, and when you don't have wealth to spread, you're just making yeah. four bad lines instead of two bad lines. I mean, the reality is right now the Wild need to stack their top two lines because they can't score goals right now. And clearly the defense isn't working either. Your goalies are playing, you know, are you know saving these games from being a lot worse than they than they probably should be. Um, and right now, I think you know it's it's Eck, and then t- I guess take your pick between you know Bukestad or Hartman um, as that other center. It should not be Rask. We haven't. I think we've already no. you know drilled that into oblivion via Twitter. Is that we you know <laughs> if, if Victor Rask was scratched tomorrow, I don't think any of us are going to be upset about it. So we won't go on too much about that. But. Um, you know, so so I I see it from that point when they're not, when they're in the state, they are now. And you say you want to shake things up. How about putting your guy that drives, you know, some of the best offense on the team has, you know, played well alongside a guy like Kevin Fiala, who, you know, you keep saying, Oh, we can't find out. We're going to play with Fiala. It's like, well, you you realize when you had him with Eck, and even Greenway, that line was good, but nope, you've refused Mm -hmm. to put that one back together. But you yeah, know, we, we, we did finally, um, by pleading and pleading and pleading, we did see Kaprizov pulled away from Rask at least for the third period last night um, and stuck between Kevin Fiala, which, hey, that was fun, and Ryan Hartman, yes. which, whatever. Um, you know, we, Ryan Hartman did set up a really nice screen on the goal. Kaprizov scored, and, you know, that line, it was a really small sample they played. I think I looked on um, natural stat mm-hmm. trick after the game. It was like 4 one together. Um, and they had, I think it was a .09 expected goals for and a .07 expected goals again. So, again, really small sample, but they controlled the pl- more of the play together. Um, I haven't seen anything from either Sarah or Russo about lines tonight, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe go back to that again, and then we'll see. Uh, I believe the second line was Rask, uh, Johansson, Zuccarello, which, oof, uh, Yeah. That is so- what it is, but it was not, you know, I— if we do see that Caprissa Fiala Hartman line, I'm curious just to see what Caprissa and Fiala have done or, or, or can do. Um, they seem to you know click okay last night even strength. Obviously, we haven't seen chemistry in the power play yet, but you know, no wild players have chemistry in the power play mm-hmm. right now. So I'm kind of excited to see what that line can do. And at least Hartman, you know, kind of has the pace to keep up. Um, and if he doesn't, you know, try to overpass like he has been, actually shoots a little bit more. That line could work, and we'll see. I'm excited to see what happens. We're not going to talk about the other three lines because now with Sturmout, I basically hate all of them. So,
2: <laughs> Yeah, I just think the overall just main point out of this is that the uh, you know, last six, seven games now, nothing's really worked that well. And you would think, like, I just I feel like in the press conferences with Ed and even Spurgeon last night, who goes, well, we can't freak out over two games. It's like, well, that's great if it was only the last two games. Then I'd be like, fine. But, you know, nothing's really been working the last uh, few games. And uh, it's, you know, obviously, like we just said, that whole kind of rant there that uh it's just time to try something new like i it to me it really doesn't matter i mean obviously there's certain things you don't want to see but just try something new like anything new because it's obvious that uh some of the chemistry just isn't there like it was a couple of weeks two or three weeks ago
0: and i think that brings us really good uh into our next topic here and that's um regression um, which if you follow analytics you've probably heard it before Simply put, it's a trend or a shift towards a less perfect state. In hockey terms, it's just kind of the core idea of if a hockey player is overachieving or underachieving, in time he'll come back to a more of an an average, you know, normal uh, thing. And because you said that chemistry is kind of faded, and I think that's part of it. But I also think, you know, we talked about PDO a couple weeks ago and talked about how The Wild were, you know, where they had some players who had ridiculous PDOs. That's still kind of the case, Um, but I think we've seen that regression. You know, starting with those two games Mm. against the Avs, it's kind of hit hard and it's kind of lingered here. I think, you know, obviously we're we're somewhere between where we were and where we are now, Um, and and that's what regression will show. But I just wanted to bring up just some players uh, specifically within on the Wild that you know are uh, dealing that should be dealing with regression, both positively and negatively. Uh, We'll start with Zach Parisi, who. You know, has been under the gun a lot lately, and now has been out with injury, which really you know, has been out with on the COVID protocol, which sucks. That that happened right after arguably his best game of the season, but um, he's a really good case. Um, and this, is especially in the goal department, mm-hmm. um, he's at even strength this year. He's expected to have seven goals for, um, but only has three on the year. Regression tells us that in time, Brazy should start putting more pucks in net, and that you know. Despite offensive numbers being down, it's less about Parisi, you know, maybe dropping off offensively and more just to uh, some bad luck on that he'll come around. Um, mm-hmm. The next one here, I've got uh, Kril Kaprizov, who has been overachieving a little bit um, in terms of his on-ice goals for um, expected goals of just 34. Um, I shouldn't say just, but expected goals of 34 has an actual of 37. So he's maybe overachieving a little bit there. So, you know, it could be, and I think w- this is a number that's, I think, started to drop off significantly already. Um, we saw, you know, the three games without a point and stuff. And like, not to say he shouldn't be scoring like a, you know, one should be on the ice here about a goal mm-hmm. game, which is where about he's at. But, um, he, you know, for a while there, that Ras Zuccarello-Caprizov line was just absurdly scoring. Um, we've already seen that start to regress down uh, closer to where we expect it. Um, the next one, this one's pretty obvious. Um, it's been the shooting percentage of both Foligno uh, and Rask, who are both over twenty percent on the year, which is absolutely not sustainable. Uh, the best shooters of, uh, you know, in the league are seventeen, eighteen percent, and neither of those two are great shooters. Rask doesn't even like to shoot the puck um, as it is, so I would I would guess that those will regress closer down to that nine to thirteen percent, which I think is closer mm-hmm. to what we see. Um, around the league average, so you know it's likely that their next, you know, ten pucks fired at the net probably don't go in, um, and then they'll level off somewhere on that nine to thirteen mark. Um, another for a positive uh, regression that's Jonas Brodeen, who has been on the ice uh, at even strength for thirty-three goals this year, um, but his expected goals against is twenty-seven point two four, so basically suggesting you know his defense has been six goals against better than uh, than what's produced, so. Um, that can be attributed to, you know, poor goaltending and stuff as well. And, you know, obviously there's some time he's been without Matt Dumba, which didn't help either. And I, so I think, you know, Brodeen who's been seemingly struggling as of late, it could be more to, uh, some poor on ice mm-hmm. goaltending when he's on the ice to, uh, to, to, drop off and play, uh, two more here. I have Nick Bukestead, um, who has been the bent, who has been the exact opposite of Brodeen, um, has just been on the ice for eight even strength goals this year. However, it's been expected to be on the ice for 15. Uh, so seven more than, uh, or seven less than expected. So uh, getting bailed out uh, by wild so there's a chance that uh, that that could start to fall off when we see Bukestad maybe have a couple minus games here coming up. And then I touched on this briefly as the last one here, PDO, um, which again is that combination of uh, shooting percentage, save percentage. They're still like half the wild, or like five to 10% above you know, that, that average of a hundred where most players and teams fall to, So, and that as of late too, has just come crashing down too. So, um, we're, we're, you know, now it's a good time to talk about this. Cause I just feel like we're kind of seeing it everywhere with, you know, with the wild, we're riding this high that like, yep, we know we're not, they're not this good, but now we're riding this low and we know they're not this bad. So regression can move both ways. And I think we'll really start to hopefully see this kind of level off and get players back to, where they're expected, quote-unquote. So long-winded there, but that's regression. I wanted to take a little more time because there's a lot that can go into it. But uh, any thoughts there from anything I uh, I hit on?
1: Uh, no, no extra thoughts for me. I, I It's just, you know, appreciate you doing that segment. Uh, I learned something new from it every single time, so.
0: Zeke, anything?
2: Yeah, no, just uh, basically just same what Justin said too here. Yeah.
0: Cool cool. All right, so uh next up, uh any uh, before we move on, anything else you guys want to touch on uh regarding the wild or anything uh I hear or are we good there? Uh,
1: maybe just a small quick rant, maybe yeah. just a quick one.
0: Yep. <laughs> this is the pro so, ratio, when, so
1: when uh when were we not able to lay a clean hit and not mm. have like a scrum mm. or someone go after that player for it when? are we going to start just taking a clean hit and maybe just picking our head up and not getting hit like that? Or taking the hit and playing on? Yeah, kind of like Sov it, the other night, joke. taking a uh, hit in Couture and then Kane and Burns and all those <laughs> lovely yeah, Brent, players jump in on him. Yeah, Brent. Brent
2: Burns seems to have a problem with He was a little bitch boy last night. I know. It's it's, it's funny in a way. It's like,
1: hmm. Hey, and you know what I love about Sov is he doesn't really retaliate. I mean, you see him retaliate. He doesn't take crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: like, he
1: doesn't take crap, but <laughs> what you see him do is he'll lay a big hit on Couture or something, or he'll score a big goal mm-hmm. and then he'll make him pay that way.
0: Yeah. And he like, I mean, it was great to see, I mean, Zeke, I think you alluded to this on Twitter. It's just that, you know, Kaprizov can just be invisible for, you know, periods of time. And I was like last night, you know, really quiet first two periods, all of a sudden third period, boom, he's, scoring a goal he's mm-hmm. buzzing around the neutral zone he's laying out couture and, and and spicing things up and you know the wild looked dead for two periods and you know obvi- they ended up losing the game by two goals it was one goal maybe it wasn't that close throughout but because of you know just the energy he brought and the spark you know the, the wild fought back in there a little yeah. bit there in that third period all because of Kaprizov much like we saw Fiala do uh the last year as well
2: no yeah i definitely agree with that and you know just justin's original thing it's just that just seems to be how hockey is at all levels where uh you know you got to stand up for your guy and it's the code and and all that crap that we've talked about a million times which you know like justin said is really stupid and uh you know like he also said just uh keep if you don't want to get hit uh, keep your head up and uh we don't need to have a huge scrums every five minutes in games although it is kind of funny it's sometimes, and, I mean, I saw two in that scrum last night when Kaprizov, the ref pulled him off the first pile, and then uh, right after that he went over and got into the other one and grabbed another Sharks player by the head too, which I thought was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, no, it is it is dumb for sure.
0: Yeah, and, and again, like the, the, you, you alluded to the hockey code, and I don't have an issue, um, you know, like when – it's uh, dirty. If, if it's a dirty hit, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. You
0: know, ha- had Lawson Kraus gone up to Carson Souza and said, hey – I didn't like to hit you through on Connor Garland. Let's fight. I'm cool with that. The issue mm. I have is either one when it's clean and they respond like we've seen with the you know uh, Kolasar on Susie a couple weeks ago, and then last night with you know Kane after you know Kaprizov ran somebody over. If they're clean, tell your pal to keep his head up, bud. Like right. don't come cutting across the middle with your head down. You're gonna get popped, and that's what's happened twice yeah. to those, those guys and stuff. So.
1: And that's taught at the lower levels too, right. so you shouldn't be surprised if you take a hit in the middle of the ice. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Keep your, especially in the pros, keep your head up. You're gonna get, you're yeah. gonna get smoked, and for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think the Wild are a team that even you know tend to back off of that stuff sometimes too, and you know where, there's been a couple times this year where I've seen Matt Dumba completely have a guy lined up, and he's kind of backed off at the mm-hmm. last second. But you know, if a guy's got his head down and he's got the puck, blow right through him.
1: Um, yeah. Agreed.
0: All right. Well, uh, pivoting off uh, the NHL here, as we've ranted about the Wild enough, hoping they come through tonight <laughs> against Vegas with you know somewhat of a better effort. Talbot and Net, who's been just on fire lately, so hoping he can uh, you know maybe the team you know tries to get him a win tonight after uh, giving him a tough old, uh, shootout loss the other night. But uh, still, two big hockey tournaments going on. Uh, the state hockey tournament uh, is in the semifinals. I know Zeke's pretty happy with uh, the opening result as his uh, alma mater yep. has advanced. Um, so, uh, we'll start with the state hockey tournament here. Um, any, uh, takeaways from the first round, anything really surprised you? I don't think there were, I mean, unless, you know, Dodge County over Hermantown would have been an upset. Um, had it not been the JV team, but, um, were there any real surprises for you guys just based on kind of what you knew about high uh, school hockey going in, um, at all?
1: Uh, no, no surprises. Uh, I wouldn't have said Hermantown, but like you said, their JV team played, uh, Zam Plant still looked like a good player. And uh, mm-hmm. Dodge County, uh, what's their player's name? Uh, Brody, uh, Lamb. Brody Lamb. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. those two looked uh, like cream of the crop in that game. But, you know, not really any surprises. And I'm happy for Zeke and Maple Grove because, you know, I live in Maple Grove now. And if my son decides to play hockey and we stay in the area, that's the program he's going to go through. So it's kind of fun to be, just kind of teach him and show him like, oh, this is this is – where we live like this is the team we're gonna be rooting on unless we move so but no anyways uh not really any surprises in this point of the tournament so far and all the teams that were expected to won win have mm-hmm. won
2: yeah i, I don't have uh, any surprises too i just have a couple other takeaways just uh in general like on for the dodge county hermantown game with uh with a uh, with the brody lamb thing and you know i will say i do not understand why he is on the ice in the last two minutes of the game to get five, six more goals. And from when I looked, someone told me this, and I looked back on the score sheet, supposedly, uh, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm almost positive this happened, that I believe it was their fourth line or whatever, did not play a single shift in the entire game. And yet when they were up by three with a minute and a half left, they sent their best player out there. Now, I get, like, that's a coach's thing, whatever, but I I guess I was a little kind of confused. And I guess just didn't really like that all that much. And uh, the other kind of takeaway that I had was with uh, the Gentry Academy team, which, you know, obviously – you know private school people p- anybody that's private school people will never like and obviously from what I could tell uh, I looked obviously Gentry Academy both the girls and boys teams uh, have a very good chance or probably are almost guaranteed uh, to win their state championships this year and uh, uh, my dad did a little bit of research but I think I he said that there was like 50 or 60 uh, kids in grades 9 to 12 at that school and uh, 22 or like 20 each on the girls and boys hockey team so there was a lot of debate about oh blah 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 this is silly whatever but uh, no that that nothing really surprising obviously with Hermantown out, they'll win that tournament and then uh, in the AA it should be interesting there's a lot of great teams Phil uh, South Eden Prairie Maple Grove should be a couple games uh, and Friday night on TV uh, with with a lot of high powered offense but uh, you know just 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 fun hockey as usual to watch it's great to have really like uh, having the games on all day from 1, one six yeah, and eight awesome. so it's it's been
0: good. I mean, obviously, the, you know, if, if there was one surprise, quote unquote, it's probably, you know, Hill Murray um, mm-hmm. being forced by the Minnesota State High School oh, yeah. League to uh, to withdraw due to a positive COVID test um, from the White Bear Lake team in the section championship. So they did uh, challenge it in court and they said no, which you know, Hill Murray thing to do to challenge it. And, you know, why is that even agreed to play the game a day later? But, you know, at this point is that's not fair to Hermantown. I believe it was the I want mm-hmm. say it's like the Eden Prairie or Lakeville girls, I believe also ran into kind of the same situation. Um, and I believe Hermantown's JV team or not Hermantown, excuse me, Hill Murray's JV team had also had a COVID issue recently too. So that's why they yeah. weren't able to go, but you know, is what it is. Sucks for Hill Murray, but um, you know, Defending champs too, I, I believe, if I recall, but uh, sucks yeah. for them, but just the way that it goes. But uh, yeah, in terms of no surprises, uh, I may or may not have gone eight for eight um, in my state <laughs> tournament <laughs> predictions. So right. uh, leading in the high school bracket challenge and then uh, getting next to the college hockey uh, Frozen Four where we you know made this half-joking bracket <laughs> <laughs> that was Pomer <laughs> Picks, and here we are leading the bracket challenge with that bracket. As uh, three Minnesota teams, uh, St. Cloud State, um, Minnesota State, Mankato, and, of course, Minnesota Duluth, uh, three of the final four teams joining uh, UMass as well and Philip Lindbergh. But pretty damn cool to see our two teams there in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Frozen Four, the chance to meet in the championship. And uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, I've talked a lot tonight, so let's uh, hand it over to you guys first talk about uh, the University of Minnesota Duluth, who played an absolute, absolute track meet uh, with the North Dakota fighting Hawks.
1: Right. Yeah. That was a fun game. We basically, you know, won the series two games to one that night. So
0: <laughs> that was fun.
1: <laughs> no, it, it was, it was a fun game. It North Dakota did look like the better team in overtime. Uh, players just had rubber legs, but, uh, you know, UMD seems to always find a way to win this time of year. And, you know, outside of overtime we didn't really look overmatched in my opinion uh we looked like we hung with them pretty well we met i mean we faced them a few times in the regular season so you know we we kind of knew them and knew their style but uh no it'll be interesting to uh, see what we do against umass we'll, we'll, they're a tough defensive team with a good goaltender obviously wilds prospect philip Lindbergh and I feel like we're both kind of one of those teams where it's it's going to be another one goal game, and that seems to be the the pattern every single year that we play in this this Frozen Four is we win games by one goal. I think we're going to need strong defensive play and and good goaltending. Uh, stage Skull was really well re- really good until he got you know those cramps, and then uh, fancy came in and finished it. But uh, yeah, we're going we're going to need our defense to be good. And like we said before, they're maybe not as good of a core as previous years when we've won it, but Sandon seems to have them ready. So it'll be exciting.
2: Yeah, no, I think uh, just another kind of like stat that I saw, I can't remember exactly the number, but I feel like I, I read that they've won now 10 overtime NCAA tournament games or at least playoff games in a row now, which or something like ridiculous like that, which is insane Same. to think, especially with how hockey is with – you know, you can get a bounce off your own guy's butt or off his hand or off his face or something. Anything ridiculous is can easily happen hockey games. It happens all the time. And, you know, like Justin said, uh, they just always find a way to win. Uh, unfortunately, I did, was not actually watching the game last weekend. I was following it on Twitter and through the high school app or through the college hockey app. So I was technically watching it, but I, I was staring at the phone. Uh, Stress eating girl scale cookies. A bunch of thin, <laughs> package of thin mints during the whole time, but No, like just everything Justin said, it was fun. And uh, it's just uh, it's just kind of sometimes I guess you got to appreciate the just how successful they've been over the last 10 years, because that obviously does not happen very often with any team and really any sports league. So that's just kind of what I've been doing, too, is just uh, appreciating the fact that uh, gotten to be a fan of a team that's just this successful year and out. And uh, like Justin said, it should be fun to see uh, if they can pull it off again next weekend.
0: Yeah, and of course uh, the other you know the other close game uh, in in those quarterfinals was my Minnesota State Mankato Mavericks, who mm-hmm. uh, you know got some of that Sandlin luck uh, p- passed through the family. Yeah, uh, Ryan Sandlin in overtime. Uh, the Mavericks were down three to one, and I believe scored twice. I think in the last five fifty of the game, uh, including a, a goal with the net empty on an absolutely beautiful play, um, and we're able to 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 force overtime um, against Quinnipiac, and and honestly. It was so weird because I had watched them in the WCHA um, tournament. Mm-hmm. They looked, they just looked like they were just weren't playing their game, ended up losing to Western Michigan, I think 5-1, to one. and then I watched that first period against Quinnipiac, and it looked like a lot of the same stuff. You know, Dryden McKay, you know, let in a goal that he just typically doesn't let in. And then all of a sudden, you know, that second period hit, and since then this team has been right back to what I've been used to. Um, for those of you that were Gopher fans and got to watch Mankato for the first time, you saw just how suffocating uh, they can be in terms of, you know, if you're gonna to try to skate the puck, good luck. You're not getting in the middle of the ice. You're not getting shots to the net, and they completely dominated the Gophers in every single way. Uh, just did not give them anything. You know, the Gophers pressed a little bit in the third period, but Mankato blocked shots, and Dryden McCade did his thing, made the saves, um, you know, a, a, as he does, and uh, p- pushed them over the Gophers as well. So, pretty nice for me. You know, a huge for them that that win over Quinnipiac was Mankato's. Uh, first mm-hmm. ever NCAA tournament win, and now they're in the Frozen Four for the first time uh, as a Division One school. So really happy, you know, the, yeah, I think Mankato's already won in, in my book, um, in terms of, you know, what they've achieved this year, and anything they get from here on out is just, you know, a continued bonus, and you know, i I think if, if they play the way they did against the Gophers, I don't know if there's a team in college hockey that can beat them. But um, obviously, there's video. There's book teams are going to adjust. <laughs> you'd think, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. I I just I feel really good about the way they're playing, and I'm, I'm excited just to see them and to, and to have this chance. And then uh, you know, so pretty exciting. And St. Cloud, of course, too. They won in pretty convincing fashion. They've they've kind of oh, yeah. been the one team to kind of roll All right in here without uh, too much trouble, it seems.
1: It'll be interesting to see what, uh, you know, they still got a good team, but they lost their leading goal scorer, Easton mm-hmm. Brodzinski, with a leg fracture. So that could be a big loss. But, you know, they they still have a good, fast team with players like Henches and uh, Viet Mietnin, and Purbix, and, and Pranala. So they'll still be a, a team that you're going to have to uh, fight and claw against. You know, they played UMD really strong this year. We were actually 2-3-2 and two against them, so they technically beat us five of the seven games we matched up. So... It'll definitely be fun to watch both games and see how these these schools do because we have, really we have a kind of a fighting uh, can fighting a fight in each matchup.
0: Yeah, no, it, it it should be fun. So, uh, of course, our bracket is pulling uh, and and our our personal bias is pulling <laughs> for a. Uh, a UMD Mankato and uh, should that happen, uh, we'll probably figure out some sort of a uh, friendly bet to do between me and uh, the, the two bulldogs over here. But uh, <laughs> you know, regardless, we're either getting two Minnesota teams um, or we're getting two, um a game with a Minnesota wild prospect on each team. So pl- tons mm-hmm. of rooting interest. There's a Minnesota team in regardless. So pretty cool time to be a college hockey fan uh, in Minnesota guys. Anything else about the, uh, the frozen four here before we uh, wrap up the show with a couple uh, fun little things.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm covered.
2: Yeah, same thing. I think we think we got it all.
0: All right. And then for those that don't know, uh, Mankato and St. Cloud will play at 4 o'clock next Thursday, April 7th. Uh, and then I believe the Bulldogs and uh, UMass follow is at a 7 o'clock start for that one local time.
1: Ooh, I, I, I haven't. Oh, goodness. I forgot.
0: It's like 7 or 8. It's, it's that yeah, night yeah, later. So.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's 8 o'clock all actually. Right.
0: And that will so. so Those are the game times, and then I believe the national championship is Saturday.
1: Yeah, it's It's the tenth. Yeah, whatever day the tenth is.
0: And then the uh, state tournament semifinals, um, for boys are tomorrow, and then the championships, uh, as also on Saturday. So, tons of hockey to watch. No excuses uh, here these next couple days. So, uh, (laughs) all right. Um, for the third week in a row, we're gonna play another game of uh, which wild player am I? But this time, uh, Justin has come up with the players and the clues, so Zeke and I will uh, go head-to-head as I join the game uh, for the first time here. So, Justin, I will throw it over to you um, to, to, uh, to, to uh, put Zeke and I to the test here.
1: All right, so you guys get two guesses each round, right? Yes, sir. All right, so you guys ready for this uh, first player?
0: We are yep. ready.
1: All right, clue number one. He was 2007 fifth round draft pick by the Minnesota Wild. Clue number two: He played three seasons with Minnesota from 2009 to 2012, and spent 2015 with the Iowa Wild. I got sent down in career. Oh. Ready for the next clue?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Clue number three: His last name is a kind of a nut. Uh, Ding? Brent.
0: Is it Cody Almond?
1: Yeah, yep. Brett. <laughs> Brett got the first one. <laughs> it, it was really hard to find stuff on oh, him, well.
0: but With, I, I felt like Without been... the nut clue, I would not have got that. Not again. Yeah. I mean, so. <laughs> it's me, <figured. No. laughs> uh, What were the last two clues there?
1: I only had four clues for him. Oh, was, I figured was... the third clue would have gotten it, but, uh, <laughs> The last clue would have been his first name is the same as uh, McLeod in Iowa.
0: (laughs) There you go. That's good. All right, next one.
1: All right, clue number one. He went undrafted and started his career in 1998. Clue number two, played 13 NHL seasons, including one with the Wild. Clue number three: spent most of his career with the New Jersey Devils. Clue number four: he has the same name as a former football broadcaster.
0: Ding. Brett. Scott Stevens play for the Wilds. Is it Scott Stevens? It's not. <laughs> Did he play for the Wild?
2: He was a coach. He coached for the coach a while.
0: never played. I, I couldn't remember.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, you guys ready for the last clue? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this broadcaster has a popular football video game named after him.
2: Oh, dang! Oh, yeah, Zeke. Well, I can give it away. It's John Madden, right?
1: Yep, you're right. Yeah. All right, we're tied, one one.
2: <laughs> one, one yeah, that's another one I would not have gotten without the last one. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was trying to like pull like former Devils. I'm like Ralston. Yeah, I was thinking, like, yeah. was like the only one that was coming to mind. And like I'm like mm-hmm. I know it's a defenseman, but I did, I could not pull a name out of that right. at all. Right. Well,
1: yeah. I well, sorry. he only spent one year with the Wild, yeah. so that I, I suppose that kind of made it kind of tough too.
0: And uh, now that
2: I think about it, uh, the first wild game I ever went to, he scored a goal in. Now that I remember, so that's that's,
1: that's the kind that's of a thing little, I remember too. So. A little fun fact.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I've got I've got no uh, I've got no recollection of my first game because it was in uh, two thousand when I was four years old. So wow. <laughs> I I think I was in a suite. I think. Yeah. Uh, but I don't remember anything beyond that. We went with family friends who somehow got the suite. So.
1: Nice. The only and now that we're talking down this rabbit hole a little bit, my first game was in two thousand three when we played the Ducks in the playoffs and we lost like four nothing. So
0: playoff game for your first game
1: had been fun. Yeah, it was it was fun though.
0: All right. All right. You ready
1: for the third guy? Yep. All right, clue number one. He was drafted in nineteen ninety by Quebec, number one overall. Oh, Ding. Zeke. Owen Nolan? Yep. Damn. Nicely done. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah, I was, Got it on the first clue.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Wasn't that – was that one of their last like drafts then that would have been, I think? Right? Oh,
1: I, I think yeah. so because didn't they move in, like, 1995 they became the Avalanche. So. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I think he was like a shark for a while too. If I yeah, right. he
1: spent yeah. a lot of his career with the Sharks. It, it Yeah, I think mm-hmm. – uh, yeah, played over 1,200 games. And, yeah, most of them were with the Sharks that's at least what I remember him from like mm-hmm. playing all video right. games as a kid just owning <laughs> no one always owning me <laughs> San <Jose>. oh, yeah <laughs> all right so you guys ready for the next guy
0: yep I gotta get this one here it's all I'm, yeah post <laughs> this one
1: might be kind of tough too so all right you guys ready all right clue number one he was drafted in the first round in the year 2000 by st. Louis Clue number two: He played ten NHL seasons and spent the 2011-2012 season in Minnesota. This one's going to be tough. I don't know if you guys are going to get this one till the last uh, last clue. Uh, clue number three: He played with Phoenix, Florida, Pittsburgh, New York Rangers, Chicago, and Minnesota. You guys, ready for the next clue? We do you need a minute. I'm no, ready. All right, clue number four. He's from Hastings, Minnesota. <laughs> vague, very vague. <laughs> All right, this one should give it away. So here we go. Clue number five. His last name is the candy name, where the first word is Laffy. Ding. Zeke.
2: Uh, I believe his name's Jeff Taffy.
1: That's correct.
2: Okay. I didn't, yeah, know, was, I didn't know
0: the first name. I would have never got that.
2: First. I don't know how, but when you said the last name it was, but somehow I remember it probably from just scrolling through old stats pages somehow. Yeah. Like the only way I would know that.
0: Like I'm hearing yeah, that I'm, name and it doesn't even really ring a bell to me.
2: Yeah, no. I, yeah, I don't know nothing either. I just, yeah, I know. Only from stats. Never.
1: I remember the name, but it, it wasn't a uh, very long obviously but
0: mm-hmm.
1: i guess i'm a little bit older than you guys i'm the old fart to the group
0: <laughs> well i mean I, I would have been i was 14 in 2010 so it's not like my memory oh that's true shot, so mm-hmm. like the name yeah. like kind of rings the bell but like i i couldn't tell what color hair he has what number he wore right. like
1: oh <laughs> well, yeah i can not really tell you what he looks like i yeah. just remember the last name for some reason <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah. all right uh, all right you guys want to do the last one yeah, just we for can fun? D-
0: be, yeah even though zeke's one uh improving his record to uh, 2 and 1. Yeah. Um, I'll see if I can maybe at least at least save myself from total embarrassment.
1: Right. All right, clue number 1. He was 2002 second round pick by Edmonton.
0: 2002 you said?
1: Yep. Okay. Clue number 2. He played 14 NHL seasons with Edmonton, LA, New York Rangers and Minnesota in the year 2015-16 he was here. Oh, ding. Then- Zeke. Jarrett stole. Yep. Nice. I was hoping I was going to get the clue four.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what was it?
1: Well, clue number three it was two-time cup winner with L.A., and then clue number four was just the word cocaine.
0: Oh. Got Wait. him. Wait, what? <laughs> Got
2: him. Was he, did he do something? Yeah, something I'm pretty unfair? sure that's why he's out of the league. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I didn't. Yeah, no. I, all the only I remember him because I remember they signed, they claimed him off waivers, I think, from the Rangers, and uh, then all I know, remember him from is people talking about how terrible he was because the team did not have a great regular season that year. But uh, I, I think he was a, a pretty good player back in his day with Edmonton, and oh, yeah. obviously in those
1: Cup teams. Yeah, he was. He was yeah, like, he, I think
0: he was a, for sure like a top nine guy. I think for LA, if I if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. So
1: yeah, he definitely helped them win those two Cups. So, but yeah.
0: Good stuff. Some nice uh, obscure names there. Um, yeah, I
1: tried good. finding some randoms. Yeah.
2: yeah, I'll I'll get that one set up for next week. So. All
0: right, sounds good. Uh, all right, so uh, in the final segment of the show here, we're going to be under an hour, which is really good for us because we're going to make the game on time, and I might even have time to produce this thing before, we, uh, before the game starts. So, uh, Players of the Week, to wrap up the show, Zeke, you won the game, so uh, we'll give you the honors of uh, uh, giving your Amateur of the Week here to kick us off.
2: Yeah, so uh, for my amateur of the week, I'm going to go with uh, goaltender Hunter Jones, who was a wild second-round pick, I believe, 59th overall back in 2019. And, uh, you know, his, his transition to the has been a little rough this year. In the 10 games he's played, he has a 4.87 goals against average and 8.47 save percentage, uh, including the first game, I believe, or shot, one of the first two games he gave up like eight goals or something in a game. Yeah, you know, it's it's been a little bit rough, but uh, last night in their game down in Texas against the Texas Stars, uh, he had probably his best pro game to date Remade. 35 saves and 36 shots including uh i believe it he had faced like 19 shots in the first period and stopped every one of them so uh, he was really good last night uh was a big part of the reason that, that i wild won their game last night so just good to see him have a really good game down there and uh, you know just another prospect that uh you know we before this year we know i mean we're still kind of high on him but uh, just good to see him having a game and hopefully that uh, leads to just a string of good performances from him
0: yeah definitely was a tough start but uh you know, I, you know, you look at who Iowa, you know, Iowa's got, you know, some of their better players are sitting on the wilds tax yeah. squad. And, <laughs> and on top of that, you have, I think for sure, I believe it's the Chicago, I believe combined with another team, I think with Milwaukee. So they basically have so two think. times as many players to use, which mm-hmm. creates, you know, kind of a further disadvantage there. So, um, yeah, you know, t- tough to transition when you're missing guys and all that too. But uh, yeah, like you said, nice to see them. Get a really quality, good start under his belt that hopefully is a sign of things to come. Justin, uh, we we'll go to you next with your Amateur of the Week.
1: Uh, my Amateur of the Week is going to be Connor Dewar, uh, 2018 third round, third round pick of the Wild. He had a two goal, one assist week. I think it was all in one game. And uh, his one of his goals ended up being the game winning goal Saturday versus Grand Rapids, which is the Detroit Red Wings AHL team. Uh, he's put up 11 points, uh, 7 goals, 4 assists, and 16 games played. So he's having a pretty decent year down in the AHL.
0: I was hoping uh, the Wilder called him up, I th- want to say it was two weekends ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping we would maybe get a chance to see him. But um, sat on the taxi squad and never made it into the lineup. But another guy yeah. who I like, I think uh, he's a guy we talked about with uh, Scott as well. Maybe a guy that's kind of a, a career tweener, but... You know, I think a guy that you know just kind of, kind of be a fan favorite just because of the personality and and everything around him yep. too. So, hoping we see him up here uh, sooner than later. I'm thinking maybe next year potentially, not this year. I wouldn't think unless, you know, half the team goes downward. Mm-hmm. But
1: right, good stuff. Make make the Kaprizov for Calder uh, happy with uh, Dewar.
0: Yes, um. he was he was big on Connor <laughs> Connor Dewar season. So, uh, shout out to the boy. All right. And for mine, I think for maybe the third time, for sure, the second, but uh, I'm going to go with Dryden McKay. Uh, Two reasons, one, a shutout over the Gophers, which was sweet. Um, But even more importantly, which even caught me a little bit off guard, uh, today he was named one of the three finalists uh, for the Hubby Baker Award alongside Cole Caulfield, and I believe it was Shane Pinto of uh, North Dakota as the other two. So it's going to Caulfield, I think. Um, I've, I've I never thought McKay had a chance to win it. Um, over, I don't think anyone had a chance over Caulfield, but to get into that final three is pretty cool because there was a lot of yeah, really impressive players. Um, you know, Boldy and Spencer Knight was in their Quinnipiac goalie um, Petroselli had a really good year. Um, you know, there's so many other good players that were in that group. So for him yeah. to you know get some recognition for just the unbelievable things he did this year in Mankato with I believe it was ten. I believe he has ten shutouts now if you count the one on um, the other night he's two off now of tying Ryan is it three I think it's just two off now of tying Ryan Miller's NCAA record he can easily go another season if he wants and from the way I've, I believe I saw a quote that he'd be honored to get it and it sounds like the coach is planning on having him back next year so it'd be cool if he can uh, beat beat that record but uh right. you know hoping he can carry us a national championship but just tons of uh, awesome you know just just play this year and, and to, to be recognized as a final as a finalist is, is really cool for a guy that you know wasn't drafted by an NHL team was kind of mm-hmm. know, pull out of the USHL and you know the definition of finding a a diamond in the rough
1: right and it seems like a lot of uh what's happening this year I mean even the last couple of years has been good for the program maybe Mankato ends up winding up like a, like a UMD program where they kind of been mad their whole whole time as a a you know as a team and i mean overall and then they wind up getting the right coach and right players and, and mm-hmm. becoming really good
0: sure all right and we still do have pros to do um i, I swear this gets harder every week because i feel like all right we've already done that oh, guy yeah. yeah this guy mm-hmm. sucks the wild haven't hardly played well so no wild players to pick up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but nonetheless we got to do it we got to we got to grind out and dig deep uh so zico back to you uh who you got
2: I have for uh, my Pro of the Week, I have uh, Kyle Poso, a uh, Minnesota native, former uh, Golden Gopher. Uh, he was obviously a longtime New York Islander, then signed a contract with the Buffalo Sabres that uh, has not turned out to be well, but after... A- you know, he's after battling some kind of serious medical issues the last couple of years, he's kind of gotten better and has been starting to play consistently. And while he still only has nine points, 27 games this year, uh, the last three games this week with Buffalo, he had four points and the last five overall, he's had a couple goals and four assists for six points. So uh, just good to see another Minnesota guy just to, to rebound, uh, get back, be healthy, be doing good in that respect, which is obviously the most important thing. So it's good that he's doing well there, but uh, also good to see him uh, kind of... Uh, you know, have a little bit of a good uh, week or two here, especially on a team that uh, in Buffalo who has obviously not been good this year.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll go next because uh, my player is also a Buffalo player. What a revelation! Uh, they uh, they lose eighteen games in a row, they win once, and all of a sudden they got two players of the week. Uh, I'm going yeah. Casey Middlestad, who uh, scored one of the six goals. Um, against the flyers who Mm -hmm. holy cow is uh chuck fletcher got himself uh, a mess there in philadelphia we're not going to dig into that but uh if you followed hockey at all you know the how uh the philadelphia flyers are struggling right now but casey Mm -hmm. Middlestat, you know a, a former top 10 pick just hasn't quite uh you know found his stride yet in the nhl um but he's you know gotten a a decent cup of coffee this year i think he's been up since the end of february playing games and i think he's up to like three goals three assists and i i've seen his name floated out as a guy that you know could potentially be moved in trades too as a guy uh looking for a change of scenery and if you know he's a guy that if the wild have you know an asset to give up you know take a flyer on him, third round pick or something i wouldn't hate it he's a he can play center minnesota born if, if mm. it's a low risk investment uh I don't know if maybe throwing a dart, taking a shot at Middlestead. I don't know what Buffalo wants for him, but uh, at this point you got to think they'll, uh, they'll listen to everything. So, All right. All right, Justin, do you have a, th- a third Buffalo Sabre player for us?
1: I do not. Uh, uh, I unfortunately, <laughs> I couldn't uh, complete the trifecta, but uh, I'm going to go with TJ Oshie. Played high school hockey at Warroad. Uh, he's had a pretty good week. He's played in four games, had two goals, three assists. Uh, 25 points, nine goals, 16 assists and 34 games for the Capitals. So he's having yet another good year on a another really good team. So you know, he's always fun to watch.
0: I don't think anyone saw the cap like I don't think anyone thought the Capitals were gonna be bad this year. But I don't think mm-hmm. anyone expected them to kind of be winning and and have the record that they do um, right now. You know, kind of in the way of the Wild. Like eh, no one expected them to miss the playoffs. But I don't think anyone expected them to be you know, as good as they are, which I've yeah. heard lots of talk of regression coming their way. I think their goal differentials like iffy and stuff, but, yeah, hey, they're grinding out wins, and uh so, and it's, you know, it's any team that's got OV on it, you know, you get that heart, and, yeah. you know, that ability yeah, to score, yeah. never count them out. And they've got some, some good goaltending from a, a trifecta of guys as well, so. Absolutely. All right, so right on an hour, good for us. Uh Still got about f- – 15, 15, 20 minutes till puck drop here, but uh, any last uh, final parting thoughts here before, uh, before we sign off and, uh, you know, watch the wild. hopefully play an inspired game against Vegas tonight?
2: Um, well, I guess just my last quick thought is, you know, I try not to go too long, but, uh, you know, obviously with the switch from Fox Sports North to the now Valley Sports North, there was a lot of controversy on Twitter yesterday and even today in the twins game of people not liking it and saying, this is What's silly. This is dumb. Like, I'm yeah, was, no, I'm, I'm not one t- of them. I'm one of them. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying <laughs> that it's good or particularly, you know, that I particularly like it, but uh, uh, I also just uh, think people just aren't used to it. And uh, once it's there for a while, I think people get used to it. And, you know, again, I, people get, you can say whatever you want. Like I, I don't particularly love them either, but hopefully uh, tonight just, not as much complaining on Twitter and more focused on complaining about the game if that's what we want to do. Uh But no, I, I don't know. I just think that was a, it was kind of alarming to me that when I tweeted about that, I got like 21 replies in like an hour. It was like, <laughs> wow, people are that are passionate about it.
1: So, I I actually didn't get to see it. I had to catch the the sharks broadcast just because it was a streaming site I used, but I, I, I don't know. I, I'm curious to funny. see what it looks like. I, you know, I,
0: yeah. Imagine we'll that half, I, I had, that, a, that a third of the screen is blocked by Bally's stuff. That's what it's right. like.
1: <laughs> I had to listen to the Sharks commentator say, oh, dumb. Uh, hopefully, uh, Dama doesn't fight VL. That'd be dumb. I, mm-hmm. I'd get a piece of VL. I'm like, oh my God. How uh, do will, I listen to this yeah. or watch Bally? <laughs> I, I will say that. I generally oh,
0: like the Sharks announcers. I think they, for yeah. the most part, they do a oh, yeah. good job. They I like their, uh, their play-by-play guys got a nice play-by-play voice. He, they usually do pretty good.
1: Yeah, they do. I will,
2: I will say the one thing that they could change about the, the scoreboard is move it to the top because I think it is a little bit weird uh, for hockey in the bottom. But, uh, it doesn't first, work on the bottom. Yeah, it, it is a little bit odd. I'll, I'll give you that for sure.
0: <laughs> All right, Justin, any uh, any parting thoughts here?
1: No, just uh, hoping uh, the Wild get back on track tonight and you know grind through the second half of the season here.
0: All right, uh, Zeke, uh, sign off here. Uh, where can everyone find you?
2: Oh, You can find me, as usual, on Twitter at ZBWildNation underscore HW, and uh, you can also find uh, my written work and all that other stuff at HockeyWilderness.com.
0: Justin, what about you?
1: I'm at the East 2004 I'm at see at the Kaprizov Countdown, and I'm at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players.
0: All right, and as always, uh, Brett Marshall here. You can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you're following the uh, podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Sound the foghorn, all one word. The they are going to be headed through a gauntlet here before we come to you next. Uh, four games against the top in the division, two against Vegas, two against Colorado before we jump on Thursday, followed by three straight against the Blues. So it's going to be a heck of a stretch here. Uh, the yeah. next two weeks for the Wild going to be tough. They got to figure some stuff out. Hopefully that starts tonight with a solid win against the Chandler Stevenson-less Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, but uh, until next week, this has been another episode of Sound the Father.